0: Communication is the place where things always go wrong if something goes wrong. It it ends up being the, the key element between a successful response and one that was mediocre or needs a lot of improvement.
1: You're listening to the Employee Safety Podcast from Alert Media, a podcast for professionals responsible for the safety and well-being of their employees. Each episode features an interview with a leader in employee safety to discuss how to protect your employees from a wide array of threats. From severe weather to a global pandemic. Let's get into the show.
2: Hello, and welcome to the Employee Safety Podcast, where we discuss insights and ideas for how to protect your most valuable asset, your people. I'm your host, Peter Steinfeld, and I'm joined today by Matt McMahon. Matt is the Senior Manager of Business Continuity and Records at Texas Roadhouse. Matt, thanks so much for being here. How are you? I'm doing terrific. Thanks for having me on the podcast. Oh, you bet. I appreciate you making time. I know you're busy. And our topic of focus today is how automation enhances operational efficiency and safety. But before we begin, can you tell our listeners just a little more about your background and your role at Texas Roadhouse?
0: Sure. I came from a legal background and I worked at a house counsel for seven years at Texas Roadhouse. And I did a little bit of everything in that from securities to litigation to employment. I took a short sabbatical at a large law firm and then came back into a non-legal role originally taking over records management and soon after adding business continuity and crisis management to my responsibilities. Just
2: for additional perspective, how big is Texas Roadhouse today? How many restaurants and employees do you guys have?
0: We have 630 restaurants worldwide and over 60,000 company employees.
2: Wow, I didn't realize you'd gotten that big. That's impressive.
0: (laughs) That's a lot to take care of.
2: Well, with your wide range of responsibilities at Texas Roadhouse, can you offer some examples of situations that you're personally pulled into in order to address on a a daily basis when it comes to
0: safety and things like that? Yeah, I get involved in health safety, extreme weather and and natural disasters, possible data breaches or privacy incidents, boil water, uh, product recalls and withdrawals. And also just from a planning side, I design most of the plans, but also design the tabletops and exercises for the organization.
2: Okay. And I think a lot of us out here, myself, the audience, think of like common safety concerns in the food industry, such as kitchen fires, meeting health codes, things like that. But what are some of the more esoteric safety challenges you've experienced that may not be top of mind for the average person?
0: I alluded to it before, but one of the hardest ones is boil water orders. That means that the water may be unsafe for people to drink and The implication of that is that you either have to change your menu or you need to boil water all day long, 24-7. And then personal safety issues, late nights in the restaurant. You have a lot of people in the restaurant late at night, and then some of them are younger, especially in certain positions. And making sure that they're safe and having guest interactions if the guests are being aggressive and what do you do to de-escalate. On health safety issues, we deal with lots of community illnesses for example, hepatitis A and measles. We had an incident several years ago where a child came into one of our restaurants and had the measles, and we had to provide a lot of information to the health department on short notice and be able to open up the restaurant again. Otherwise, we may have been shut down. And then, again, product defects and recalls, these are all farm-to-fork type issues, and you have to know where all your products are so you're withdrawing the right product at the right time and making sure everything's safe, but also not throwing away product that is is perfectly safe.
2: With that many locations and people, I can imagine there's probably at this point, nothing you haven't seen. (laughs) Although you got to expect the unexpected, right? (laughs) That's right. There's always something. Yeah. Well, let's talk about COVID-19 for just a minute. So clearly it continues to have a huge impact on restaurants and just the food service industry in general. What are some decisions that you guys made ahead of time that worked well for Texas Roadhouse as you transitioned into the pandemic?
0: We had spent some time ahead doing some pandemic planning. I think as a lot of organizations, our pandemic planning wasn't as prepared for COVID as maybe we would have liked when the rubber met the road. But that it was helpful to have a starting point and a jumping off point. We also moved very quickly into requiring PPE. It was before it was required, we really led the industry in that. And it was helpful from a supply chain perspective because there wasn't enough supply of a lot of those materials at the beginning. It's, and it wasn't just PPE. It was also to-go items. To-go boxes were very, very difficult to find. And then on a health safety side, we were doing symptom surveys, paper-based, but moving those to an electronic form really helped us out administratively to be able to track, to make sure that we were doing all the symptom surveys we were required, and also to understand the health level of our employees.
2: Yeah, communications is huge, and that kind of segues me perfectly to the next question I was going to ask. What are some of the communication challenges that your company faces from both an operations standpoint as well as from an employee safety standpoint? And that last example you just gave is kind of a combination of both right there.
0: Mm -hmm. There's two pieces to that. One is sourcing data. It's very difficult sometimes to find out what's happening at any point in in the country because with as many locations as we have, we don't have somebody watching the news in every locality all the time. And some issues such as boil water orders are not well publicized and those can be difficult to track even though they're significant for our organization. And when you have the best plans, you can have the best plan in the world, but if you don't have the information to notice in them out or discuss with people that they're of no use. The second piece is the speed of business and decision making. Sometimes this outpaces communication. So you need to make a decision quickly, but you might not have all the people in the same room. But if you do that sometimes It'll create problems down the road with not only buy-in, but maybe effectiveness. You might not understand the implications of some of the decisions you're making, and it can blow up in your face.
2: What do you do about that? How do you remediate or deal with that kind of contradiction there?
0: We've worked at this over the years where we have a process where we triage incidents with a small group at the beginning, and then they bring in the additional folks who need to be brought in. We don't always do it perfectly. There's always something to learn. Recently, we created a five-step document just to make sure that we're following a general process for all sorts of events, because when something happens, you get in such a hurry, you you might forget a step. And that could be critical, not only for the response itself, but also for the support for it. So for example, making sure all the right leadership people are communicated with on specific issues and making sure the right departments are involved and the right individuals.
2: Yeah, of course. And it seems like if you can get that buy-in and ahead of time and people participating in things, it makes a big difference. So how do you go about creating basically a safety culture in your organization because if the culture is there for safety then people know what to do when something happens because it's just worked into their daily existence and what they what they do at the company how do you do that how do you make that better
0: the first thing you do is start you won't be great to start but you gotta start to be great and wait a minute i love that say that again that's fantastic you won't be great to start but you gotta start to be great love that and we have gone over the years with our workers comp program and, and a lot of efforts under there just to build that mi- safety mindset some of it's also being on the bad side of some events and just realizing that we could have done this better and we want to be the best we can be you learn over time and then with experience becomes more successes because you can't always repeat your response to an event but you can have that mindset where you don't panic and you can create a situation that's less bad than it would have otherwise been.
2: Right. I think that's so key. Like you don't know what the next crisis is going to be. It's going to be a little bit similar to something you've done in the past, or maybe a combination of three or four things. So if you're just constantly thinking about that and practicing when it happens, you'll be able to draw from those past experiences and from your practice, and then you'll be able to deal with that situation.
0: And I want to add on a lot of it comes down to leadership, both at the support center level, for us, but also at the restaurant level. Texas Roadhouse is a fun place to work at. And it incentivizes doing the right thing because people are having so much fun doing the regular job versus having a a drudgery type job where you just don't like what you're doing because it enforces that safety culture by encouraging the right behaviors.
2: Yeah. And and when people know they're being taken care of and that the company takes safety seriously, they tend to be more productive because they know someone's got their back. So that's, that's huge. So When you think about Texas Roadhouse, how important is communication and what are some of the tools that you use to communicate with your people, both in emergencies and then things for more standard operations?
0: Communication is the place where things always go wrong if something goes wrong. It it ends up being the key element between a successful response and one that was mediocre or needs a lot of improvement. And this is more than just sending a lot of emails out you have to be together to make decisions and lots of times in the same room or at least in the same meeting or by phone if necessary. And to get that message out, to get people in the room, there's a couple different ways we manage it. But a lot of it comes from regular email communications to keep things top of mind, using employee scheduling tools to communicate to our hourly employees, but also our emergency notification system to really bring in that group that needs to triage the event and then also to expand it to other subject matter experts as needed.
2: Well, what are some of the ways that you guys have gone about automating manual or time-consuming tasks that impact operations, either during emergencies or just daily business critical situations?
0: We do a lot of temperature monitoring alerts. We have thermometers in the trucks that deliver the food to make sure that it's the right temperature. And we have thermometers in our coolers and freezers at the restaurants to make sure everything's at the right temperature, because if food is out of temp for a certain amount of time, you have to throw it away. Mm. And those thermometers will ping a system that will contact the store if one of these units is out of temp for a certain amount of time. And then we've also, on some of these food safety issues, we do regular what we call taste temps, And that's to make sure that the food is at the right temperature, but also has the right taste. And this is as it's being made. And we've made that digital. And I've I've mentioned the electronic symptom survey, and that really changed our ability to manage a lot of the COVID response, especially as employees are coming in. At the time, many states coming on and requiring the symptom surveys, and having that in a systematic way made it easier on our managers who were trying to do things like make sure they had enough to-go items and making sure they had enough beef and all these other things that were in short supply. And it gave us a lot of support at the health department level because When you could show them something that was put together well, it gave you a a lot more reliability in their eyes.
2: Mm, Interesting. Now, that's actually an interesting point. Have health departments generally across the country been proactive in telling restaurants you can't open unless you can do X, Y or Z? Or is it a little bit reactive?
0: It depends upon the jurisdiction. A lot of it has been reactive in some areas because the health departments are understaffed Mm. and they pay a lot of attention to complaints. and, And that's what drives a lot of their actions because even if you have a hundred person health department and there might be several thousand restaurants and plus other businesses that they monitor in the area.
2: Yeah. So it sounds like it is a little bit more reactive just from a staffing. Uh, So if if someone calls in and says,
0: you know, I experienced this problem at restaurant X, then they're going to get all over it. Otherwise they kind of leave you alone. And there's also regulations in place where you have to contact them if certain things happen. Uh, For example, in California, if you have an outbreak as defined under their regulations, you do have to contact the health department, make a submission and take on various tasks after that.
2: Right. But it seems like just having better communications, automating these things has just allowed you guys to operate a little bit more smoothly than you otherwise might be able to.
0: Yeah, but that's, that's very fair to say.
2: Excellent. Well, what's the next challenge you're hoping to, to tackle? Are there other ways you foresee automation or just communication improvements positively affecting Texas Roadhouse specifically or the food service industry in the future?
0: We're evaluating several things in that area. One is to automate messaging on power outages. Mm. We feel like the power grid is getting less reliable and is anecdotal right now, but we feel like we're seeing more and more power outages, which right now is a, is a manual process. And we'd like to automate some of those messages But also doing additional automated communication about weather events that's geolocated towards to the individuals or the individual stores. And then continued improvements on our supply chain monitoring. These again are the farm-to-fork type issues to make sure that the food is being processed in a timely and safe way through the supply chain. And then on the data management side, just making sure that we are being guest focused and because they're expecting more on communication on their front as well. They wanna receive those text messages lots of times and to be able to make their experience better.
2: Hmm, that's interesting. What are some of the things that guests want to to know about? How do they wanna be communicated with?
0: And it depends upon who the person is, how they wanna be communicated with. We like to leave lots of channels open. In general, they want it to be easy and they want it to be in time and they want it to be fast. We have a, with the COVID, we started doing curbside to go like a, a lot of restaurants and having gone there, at Texas Roadhouse and, and done it several times. It's it's just so convenient. You get a time after you put your order in, you and you pull into this parking spot, and you either text that you're here or you call in, and a couple of minutes later, the food just comes out, and it's. The order's correct and it's hot. And then you can just go on home or go wherever you can eat your food.
2: Yeah, I think that's something that restaurants were getting into slowly before COVID. And now it's like, it's unbelievable how quickly it's rolled out. I I drive down the road and I see restaurants with full parking lots, but they're shut down. You can't go inside to eat. but everyone's waiting to get their order to to go so it's it's amazing if this had happened call it 10 20 years ago it would have been a much different outcome so it's it's nice that that's a technology that's empowering you guys to keep the ovens going basically and you know keep orders flowing out
0: yeah we're grateful for the technology and those improvements but also to our managers who were very innovative in coming up with some of these ideas and how they've been implemented at restaurants. I mean, who knew that a Texas Roadhouse would have a drive through Not all of them do, but some of them do.
2: Yeah, that's interesting. <laughs> well, we typically close out each episode by asking the guests to give our listeners just a piece of advice or some kind of best practice that can make a positive impact on their organization immediately. So in your mind, what can the audience do today to help improve their company's safety
0: culture? I alluded to this earlier, but get started. Got to start somewhere figure out what your key risks are, and start talking about those risks with business leaders. They may not get it the first time, but after you talk to them with a couple times and really give them the context of your concerns, you can create that buy-in and create focus. And you can create, they can tell you that they're willing to accept the risk, and then you can move on to other things to make sure that you're being productive. The other thing is with leadership, and this is an add-on to the prior comment, is that you need their buy-in. You can have all the best tools in the industry, but without support from leadership, you're going to have Difficult to creating that culture of safety and connect those goals to your business outcomes. If you do that, you'll have a lot of success.
2: Do you have any advice to give people on how to get leadership buy-in?
0: You got to find out what they're interested in. And a lot of times that could be something that affects the bottom line, but it could be we have leaders that are very interested in an employee safety and employee training and how, making sure that we're taking care of everyone in a safe way. And if you connect an initiative to those type of values then you're going to create that buy-in and it's, it's not some ask for a technology that they can't understand what the output is.
2: Yeah, that makes total sense. Find out what someone deeply cares about explain the why behind what you're trying to do and connect those two. I think that's fantastic. Well, Matt, thank you so much for being on the show today. We really appreciate all your time and expertise and advice. If anyone listening has follow-up questions or wants to connect with you outside of this, what's the best way for them to find you out there?
0: They can reach out to me on LinkedIn. I, I do check my page fairly often and wonderful. Please do. I'm happy to have a discussion with anyone.
2: Well, thanks again for taking time to join us on the Employee Safety Podcast. And for the rest of you out there, remember, nothing ever goes 100% according to plan in an emergency, so communication is incredibly important. If you can't communicate, you can't recover. Until next time.
1: Alert Media is changing the way your leaders and response teams connect and communicate effectively when seconds matter. We provide our customers with a comprehensive solution for monitoring threats around the world and deploying fast, effective emergency communication. You need a panic proof solution for high stakes moments. In just a few clicks, your team can send a multi channel notification to an impacted group of people and confirm their safety immediately. When employee safety is at stake, don't just communicate, connect and confirm with a robust emergency communication solution. Visit alertmedia.com for more information. You've been listening to the Employee Safety Podcast. To ensure that you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player. If you're listening in Apple Podcasts, we'd love for you to give a quick rating of the show. Just tap the number of stars you think the podcast deserves. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time.